On Monday, New York State extended its eviction moratorium again until August 31st. But experts are worried there might be an increase in homelessness after the moratorium lifts. Deborah Paget is a professor of social work at NYU. We're holding everything together. We're kind of with Band-Aids and rope and a little electrical tape. We're facing a potential human disaster. Most of the city's homeless use the shelter system, but roughly 4,000 don't. Renee Roden has the story of life at the limits of the shelter system. Dylan is lounging on the sidewalk on East 1st Street, right outside a park graffitied with murals. A DJ is playing music. Dylan's wearing sweatpants and a red turtleneck. Sweat is starting to drip down his beard. Dylan is 30. He grew up on the Upper West Side. He's asked us not to use his last name for privacy reasons. Right after high school, he attended Fordham, briefly, before dropping out after the first semester. Very into math when I was a kid. The program called Mathematica, um, which was basically um, a problem-solving computer language for advanced mathematical concepts. A team of three people in red jackets approach Dylan. They're city outreach workers, and they hand him a list of soup kitchens and shelters. Dylan has already seen most of what's on those resource sheets. I've done the shelter systems before, but they, um, they're generally very crowded. I've, I've had experiences in there where um, stuff got stolen, where I didn't feel safe. Does the shelter model of housing work? No. In, in one word, no. Deborah Paget, professor of social work at NYU. In 1979, the New York State Supreme Court established a right to shelter in New York City. Paget says that means the city and the state are required to provide shelter for every New Yorker. But it's a step short of a solution to homelessness. It's not housing. It is not housing. It's shelter. It's an emergency shelter. A few years ago, Dylan decided to give shelter a try. He moved into a city-run dormitory with 40 beds to a room. But one of the other residents threatened him, so he left. In January, with the cold weather, Dylan settled into a subway service tunnel. Um, I just wanted somewhere to know that I could um, keep my stuff together a little bit and have a roof over my head. Today, Jerry Howard, who is 71, lives and works at the Catholic Worker, an organization in the East Village that provides support for homeless people. But 20 years ago, like Dylan, Howard was looking for a respite from the streets and the shelters. One day on a subway platform, he noticed a man walking down into the tunnels. So he followed. And now you go down on the track and you walk a little ways, you see that that there's an opening, a big space, and you could see people down there, homeless people. And, okay, your curiosity is always curious until somebody call your name. Oh, Jerry! <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You look, and it's a friend. It's somebody that you know down there. Before you know it, you, you're conversating. Uh, he gets high, you get high. In other words, uh, he show you the ropes. Howard says for him, the subway tunnel provided some stability and privacy for the five years it was his home. But it still didn't make up for the lack of real housing. I see the guys going down in the tunnels. It really hurts me when I see that they're young. So that tells me it's another generation, sort of like going down the drain. The past year has made life even more difficult for the homeless in New York. The pandemic closed many public spaces homeless people relied on for shelter from the elements. So overnight, 
right? Bathrooms were taken away. When food courts shut down, when public libraries shut down, when anything where people could congregate and gather. That's Carl Chan, director of partnerships at the Bowery Mission, a rescue center that connects clients to permanent housing and runs several soup kitchens and emergency shelters. Chan says they, like other groups, provided crucial support last spring when the pandemic began. So we had mobile bathroom units. We brought in mobile hand washing stations. And, you know, we had a shower program that was internal as well. So we even partnered with an organization to bring in mobile showers so people could take showers externally in a safe, COVID-friendly way. About a month ago, Dylan dropped a cigarette on his pillow in the tunnel. The flames grew big enough that the fire department came and Dylan and his neighbors evacuated. He's been spending less time in the tunnel since, often hanging outside the Catholic worker in the East Village. I was coming in the house from the outside and Dylan was at the door. Phil Bazile is a live-in volunteer at the Catholic Worker. A couple of weeks ago, Dylan showed up. He had been pepper sprayed. And I looked at him, and his face is all red, and he had snot coming down, and, you know, he was, he, his eyes were shut and tearing. And he said, I need a shower, I need a shower. Bud Courtney also lives and works at the Catholic Worker. A large part of his job is helping to run the daily soup line. Every day at 9.30, men and women line up on the street for hot soup, sandwiches, and coffee. What do we got here? We have peanut butter and jelly, and we have bread. One bread, I think. Buttered bread? Just bread. Just bread, okay. Just bread. Yep. Thank you. Organizations that do outreach, like the Catholic Worker or Bowery Mission, say forming relationships is crucial to actually helping their homeless guests and clients. Courtney says his real work is talking to people. Everything we do is a mandate, short of establishing relationships. Uh, and people keep coming back, A, for sustenance, for clothing, for food, but more importantly, for a little human touch. Good morning. Dr. Kelly Doran is a professor at NYU and an expert in medical care for the homeless. She says she considers housing a form of health care, especially during the pandemic. We've seen during COVID-19 that people in shelters aren't safe from illness either. In fact, it was in the congregate shelters where people were being exposed to SARS-CoV-2, catching COVID-19 and dying. Patrick Bonk works at Breaking Ground, one of the organizations contracted by the city to do street outreach to Manhattan's unsheltered population. When you're street homeless, almost all of your energy is focused on survival. But when you have a place to sleep, when you have a door to lock, you don't have to worry about those things. Um, and so you, you, can, you can work on, on other things much more easily. Bonk believes not just shelter, but stable private housing is key to addressing unemployment, addiction, or mental health issues. The, the key thing is affordable housing. That is always, you know, there's not enough. And when there's not enough, people are going to remain homeless. So you're saying it's simple. We just need more affordable housing. And also it's complex. <laughs> Because we're dealing yeah. with people. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, a, a lot of what outreach does is really just try to build trust, understand, and then try to work with, with each individual to find, to find solutions that are going to work for them. Today, Dylan is looking for a permanent home outside the subway tunnels. Bowery Residence Committee does outreach to those staying in the transit system. And he talked with them about finding an apartment. I've talked to BRC, a Bowery Residence Committee, about um, going into some kind of safe haven situation, um, which I um, might get um, done pretty soon. 
In the meantime, as the weather warms up and the city reopens, Dylan is trying to avoid the tunnels, sleeping in parks, on the streets, or on the subway trains. Renee Roden, Columbia Radio News.